It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatch rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and this is your Big Fight Reaction Show. And I'm delighted to welcome back on after a, a little bit of a hiatus. And he's back. He's back in business. It's Johnston. Johnston, you're back for this reaction show. It's been a couple of weeks since you've been on the show. You've had some great substitutes that have filled in for you. And I know how much you really wanted to do the preview for this show, but you obviously was a little bit poorly for that, so you weren't able to do it. But you're back now. And what a way to come back to talk about Fury versus Chisora, talk about the controversy surrounding Daniel Dubois' victory over the weekend, and of course Estrada and Chocolatito, we're going to be talking about that in this episode, but yeah, it feels like a long time, so welcome back. It feels like a long time, it really does, it's, it's been a while, hasn't it, and uh, yeah, I, just a massive shout out to, to Jamie and Lukey, uh, the pair of them done a great job and filled my boots perfectly, to be honest with you, and I know Jamie mentioned he was the Audi version, well, here comes the Lidl version, here I am. <laughs> yeah, here comes the Lidl version. Which one's better, Aldi or Lidl? Like, <laughs> there's only one the... way to find out. Yeah, fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great having you back on. Uh, absolutely great having you back on the the preview shows. I know, obviously, you've been working hard in the background. You've been getting our episodes for the Dark Side of Boxing season free prepared as well. So I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So everybody that's missed having you on, uh, no other couple of the guys have mentioned it and, and mentioned that you, you know, when's Johnson coming back on? I said. You know, give him time. He'll be back. He's no, he's not left us. Don't worry. He's not. He's not been secretly <laughs> ousted by myself to get out of here. He's he's very much working hard in the background out here, ready for darker side of boxing season oh, yeah. three. So uh, there's lots going on behind the scenes at BTR HQ. So you know we've got so much going on. But let's get to the matter at hand. This is our reaction show for Fury versus Chisora, and that is the talking point to start with. Fury gets a victory, stopped in the tenth round, a merciful stoppage by the referee, Victor Lachlan, who was watching Chisora quite avidly in that round and just before that as well. And 
what can we say about this fight then, Johnston? It was a, a, a mercy, a mercy stoppage by a merciful stoppage by Victor Lachlan, but Chisora just felt not the Chisora we'd seen previously and prior to this fight. He felt like he was Fury that good, or did Chisora just completely age in this fight? I don't know, man. It was a, it was really uncomfortable to watch. To be honest with you, it was quite late in the night. I had had a couple of wines, and to be quite honest with you, by about round six, I fell asleep. So um, that's about as entertaining as it was for me. I, look, we we give our opinion on this from the early get-go, where we did not approve the fight at all. And, it, and I, I feel like it was just hard to watch and uncomfortable to watch because of the fact that Derek Jazora is taking punishment that he doesn't need to take. I felt probably six rounds in, I mean, I don't know what round it was and South fell asleep, but there was a moment, I believe, when Tyson Fury like, was holding him up. It is it is just uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I, I felt that it was inevitable it was going to happen, and I just feel that he's taken a lot too many shots to the head that he didn't need to take in that fight. I feel like he needs to walk away from the sport. But the promoters are going to keep giving him money. They're going to keep dangling that carrot in front of his face, offering him millions and millions of quid, and he's got to take it. It stand. It, where does it stop? I, I, it just it's uncomfortable the whole thing. The fact that Eddie Hearn not so long ago was even thinking about sticking in the ring with Deontay Wilder. It it's just it, it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, Sean. To be honest with you, I don't like the fact he's talking about carrying on Chisora. Like he said, yeah. I'm thinking about carrying on. My career's not over yet, and I'm just like, why? I know people sit there and go, he just loves to fight. You know, just let him fight. He just loves to fight. But at what point? As someone around him, do you intervene and say, look, Derek, mate, you know, you're going to end up like 50 years old, not not so long away, and you're going to end up having like some sort of uh, uh, Alzheimer's or early set dementia or, or Parkinson's or, or yeah, obviously CTA, you know, all these different sort of neurological disorders and diseases that, that come about usually at a, an older age for a human being going to end up coming on rapidly because of the amount of punishment he's taking surely you know i'm no scientist i'm no doctor but surely like that amount of punishment that he's taking we've seen the evidence previously and again i always point to trish dixon and the book that he did damage you know it's a great book yeah. and a lot of an insightful information in there and the research he's done on there i think it's quite evident of, of the sustained punishment that a fighter takes and what it can lead to for them and i think david chisora is like for me it feels like he's one big punch away from from like getting a serious injury and that's what i'm genuinely concerned about and okay, it's none of our business. We're just two guys sitting and having a conversation and having an opinion on it. And people can say, well, you know, it's up to him what he does. I know, but we you know, we love the guy. At the end of the day, we love the guy. He's done a lot for British boxing, good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's brought everything over the past 12 years in his in his career uh, and, and beyond that as well. And it's been enjoyable in the most part to watch. But to see that for me on Saturday night was, it was worse than what, I thought it was going to be. I knew it would be quite one-sided. I thought it was going to be like a glorified sparring session, but what it felt like to me was a one-sided beatdown. And like you said, Fury at one point earlier on in the rounds looked like he was sort of holding him up and, you know, carrying him. He felt like he carried him for them for he them did. 10 rounds. I was just like, what, what's going on? Why, why do that? I know he wanted to give his mate a payday. I get that. I understand the logic behind it. He wants to keep himself busy. It wasn't the fight we wanted to see, you know, is what it is and it was what it was but now it's for me it's all about like chisora what do you do now for us just plain and simple just retire mate just retire from boxing surely that payday now is enough to to set you right 
Well, this is the trouble with boxing. We love the sport. We do. We, we like to see a close contest. We do like to see knockouts too. But you like to be a contest where two guys are matched up against each other and you don't know who's going to win. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see this where you know one guy's going to get brutally beaten up. We see it with Muhammad Ali when he fought Burbeck back in the day. And, and that's a fight, Trevor Burbeck. I, c- I can't ever watch that fight. I think I watched about a couple of minutes of it and I turned it off because it just was a shadow of himself. Now, I know that's a, a bit of an extreme comparison people may, may suggest, but for me, I don't think it is because Derek Chisora has probably taken more punishment than Muhammad Ali ever did in his career, to be honest with you. It, the trouble is we can't pick it up. What all we can look at is historically the evidence is there. You see fighters, they get punched in the face and that's how they fight and they're great to watch. But there needs to be some sort of ruling with those kind of fighters where father time catches up with you. And inevitably, when you retire from the sport, within 10 years' time, you're not going to be the guy that we see. You're going to be a completely different guy. You're going to be a shadow of your former self. And and that's where the family needs to come into a position where they, 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 they try and force a decision for him. or or Because he's not going to do it himself. And promoters will always continually give him money because they know it brings the fans. And... And in a way, Tyson Fury is to blame for that as well. Not so long ago, Frank Warren su- suggested that Derek Chisora shouldn't even be anywhere near Tyson Fury getting in the ring unless Tyson wants to fight him. And Tyson picked that fight to help out his mate and because he knew he would get more money from that fight potentially than the other fights with the guys that are a little higher ranked than him because of his name, because of what he brings. But hopefully after seeing that, fans will look at that and go, do you know what? I think that's enough, Del Boy. I know. I, th- I think you need to call it a day and just keep your faculties intact when you retire. I think it's already too late and I think it's going to get worse. So, look, I hate to start on a dampener, but that was, we're talking about this fight. We said we didn't want the fight and I think the proof's in the pudding. What about Tyson Fury then, moving on to him? You know, a lot's been said about his performance. Uh, what do you make of the performance? Like, was it good or was it good because it was against Chisora and, and you kind of saw where Chisora was at within that fight. Is it is it anything to measure him against? Because I know the commentators were absolutely blowing smoke up his backside. Literally, if you know, if they would have been in behind him, they would have been literally blowing smoke up his ass because they couldn't get enough of it. And, and and don't get me wrong, he looked good. He did look good. But you can look good against somebody who is, is easy to hit. You can look good against somebody who's slower than what you are it's easier to look good against someone you know with with the greatest of respect to Derek Gizora it felt like very much like a prospect and journeyman style fight where you've got the guy who's just kind of he's there to survive he'll throw a few punches you know and go through the rounds and Tyson Fury was just easily picking him off just using advantages you know looked quite speedy looked quite spiteful at times it's hard to gain a measure of sort of what happens next in his in his next fight, whether that be Joyce, whether that be Usyk, whoever that may be, it's hard to gauge off that fight with Chisora how he goes on against these other names. We can only then go off previous performances against the likes of Deontay Wilder. At the moment, people label Tyson Fury as the best heavyweight in the division. I know you have your contention in terms of Usyk and where Usyk is sits and that maybe Usyk could be the guy to actually dethrone Tyson Fury and be the best heavyweight in the division. So, that question needs to be answered and that fight needs to happen. And then at the end of the fight, you know, 
Fury, Usyk, did we face off? Fury's screaming in his face. He's calling him a pussy. He's a bitch. He's this, he's that. Look at Usyk. You know, this guy is just ice cold. When he gets into that zone, he's an elite level professional. He's a professional at the highest level. Whichever way you want to stereotype and label that, it's clear that nothing that Tyson Fury will do in the lead up to a fight between them two would phase him. Whereas I feel like if it was Joe Joyce on the opposite side of the table at a press conference, I think Joyce is a little bit, you can tell he's got respect for him. He's in, he's in awe of him a little bit more. And I think maybe the mind games might play a factor with Joe Joyce. Whereas I think with Usyk, you can tell this man is just completely ready for this fight and he's not phased whatsoever by Tyson Fury. So that's the fight essentially we all want to see. The problem is, is it going to happen and will it happen? We need to see uh, an undisputed heavyweight champion. We haven't seen it since Lennox Lewis. We're all calling for it. We've been calling for it for the last, what, three to four years before Tyson Fury even come back on the scene. We were, we wanted the, the the undisputed between Joshua and Wilder. Chance missed. They could have earned a shitload of money, them two. So hopefully they're looking themselves in the mirror and thinking, I need to, I need to make changes. Whatever the problems are with all of these contracts, it is, it is a drain, isn't it? I hear that Tyson Fury picked up an elbow injury, I believe. So the chance, I think he may need surgery, um, which means he's not going to be ready for February. He wasn't going to be ready for for February anyway when Usyk has uh, sort of penciled in. So for me, it's going to end up being Usyk, Hergovic. I think Hergovic is next in line, whether the IBF call that. Um, and enjoy us for the WBO. So it will be whatever commission want to push that more. And I think he takes one of those mandatory challenges. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up fighting both next year. I can see that happening because I can see Tyson Fury then coming back. But when he's calling for the fight, Usyk's going to be like, well, I need a couple of months. And then Fury's going to be like, well, I need it next week. You know, I'll get, I'm a dead, your deadline's passed. So I can I can I can potentially see Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua next year. I don't I do not think we're going to see Usyk Fury until 2024. I hate to be uh I've just come in this you need to get Jamie and Lukey back because I've been a right miserable can't excuse my language should be up with, <laughs> dropping the seat we'll see where there. Um look I, honestly I, I can't see it happening. They're squaring each other up. Tyson Fury's not going to be ready. Whether Usyk takes a fight and then Fury's happy to sit back and wait, I don't think he will be. Hopefully, it's the end of the year, Sean. I really hope so. But Usyk's going to be keen to probably get rid of those um, those mandatory challenges because then you could we could be in a position where Usyk and Tyson Fury fight when it's just for a, not for the undisputed, but for a unified titles. We all want to see undisputed. I know it's just the belts. We moan about the belts. The belts aren't worth it. We want to see the best fight, the best. But ideally, we want to see that as the undisputed because they are the two best heavyweights around in the, in the world right now. Well, there's a lot more conversations that can be had about this scenario and we will save it for another episode because we've got so much yes. more to cover in this episode. Now, on this undercard, there was controversy for Daniel Dubois as he was knocked down three times in the first round and came back to stop Kevin Lorena in the third round. A lot of controversy in this fight. Two 
major talking points from it. The first one being the fact that he was knocked down three times in the first round. Now, the WBA have a rule in their rule book, in their own rule book, that states about the three knockdown rule. However, it's since been pointed out that apparently this fight wasn't sanctioned for the three knockdown rule, which is why the fight was allowed to continue. And obviously, the referee felt like Dubois was in a position to continue. Then the next part of the controversy that people were talking about is then in the third round, people felt like it was stopped a little bit too soon. So there's two major talking points to come from this fight. Before we get into them talking points, I just want to sort of say big balls to Daniel Dubois for doing what he did in that fight. Regardless of the controversy surrounding the fight, for me, he's shown true heart and determination to come back from that first round and then to be able to go on to stop Lorena in the third, I thought was brilliant. Given the fact that he had them issues against Joe Joyce, Carl Frampton called him a quitter, of course. You know what? Cal Frampton's like he had some controversial words to say about the corner in that first round a little bit of a dig back at the McGuigans again I think that was in the punditry after the fight but for me I looked at it and thought well Dubois come back from adversity in the fight with Joe Joyce he had a broken orbital bone he essentially decided enough was enough he was pulled out of the fight his corner pulled him out he essentially said no I can't carry on it was the right move to make at that time and now he overcame adversity in this fight and shown that, he, you know, he has got hard determination and he came back and he stopped Lorena in the third round. And I thought it was a, it was a really good wake-up call for him in the third round, in the first round, sorry. And then going into the third, he finished that fight and he finished it in great fashion. He's an exciting fighter, regardless of how far you think he's going to go from this point onwards and who he might face and who he might win or lose against. He's brought excitement to the table and that's what I've enjoyed about the performance but going back to the talking points and coming to you, Johnston, two talking points that I've mentioned, the controversy in the first round and the ending to the third round. What did you make of it all? This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I think you're right in terms of Daniel at first. He showed a lot of grit. At one point, I did feel like, oh, God, here we go. He's going to do the same thing as what happened with Joyce. But he didn't. He got me when he was sort of went down on his knee. But I'm happy that he, he managed to take his time, realise that his legs had gone 
I don't know if it was an injury or whether it was the was it the shot. We don't quite know that. But his legs were gone. He even mentioned moaned about his legs in the corner, and and Shane was very good in his corner. He calmed him down. It, it was a good word in his ear. He, he he sort of sorted himself out and then showed his veracity again with the finish. Although I believe maybe the finish was a bit too soon. I feel, I feel that if you're going to give Daniel the opportunity, then why don't you give his opponent the opportunity to at least recover and come out for that fourth round? So I think he panicked a little bit. The ref was right on the bell as well. So I, I feel that he could have easily gone back to his corner and give him the chance to recover. If you're going to do it for one guy, you've got to, you've got to be consistent and let the other guy have a go. So there's controversy there. I think what it does demonstrate and does show is that with Daniel moving into the pro game so early in his career and not having the experience of fighting in the amateurs, he had an opportunity where he could have gone to Tokyo and he opted to go professional early on. And I feel that's hindered him a little bit because there would have been moments as an amateur where he would have been caught like that and been buzzed. And and that helps you because you can you can understand it better. You you can you can develop yourself. Whereas in the program, I think I think you can see the fundamentals of what Joyce has and what even what what Fury had and and any other fight you want to throw at that has that amateur pedigree and an Olympic pedigree. They've always it just gives them a, a step up. And I feel that he's been managed poorly. I don't think I feel like the, the, the Joyce fight was too early for him. He got old man, really, against Joyce. And I feel that although he's got pop and he's exciting, he's just not at that level, is he, Sean? He's not at that level. I mean, he, this guy was a cruiserweight, really. He was a cruiserweight, what, last year, if not maybe a bit longer. But he wasn't a natural heavyweight. He's got bang. But you, God forbid if he steps in the ring with someone like Dillian White, who they were tipping recently, or... Or, you know, with Joe Joyce, we see it with Joe Joyce or Parker. You can't move him along too quickly. I think they've got to gradually bring him back down again. And they need to just reset him, get get him, get him, his confidence back up. But you're right, he showed great will, fantastic will. I just feel that the skill might be lacking a little bit now. I think with Dubrai at this stage, like, there's a lot of talk of him fighting Dillian White and, and you know, potentially how that would look because you looked at the Dillian white Jermaine Franklin fight the week before. Yeah. He didn't look good, exactly. He, you know, we talked yeah. about that last week in, in the reaction show when I was talking about this with Luke. He didn't look good. So as a result of him not looking good now, people look at it and think maybe White's a, a good fight for Daniel Dubrai. If I'm managing Daniel Dubrai, if I'm promoting him, you know, in a parallel universe, if I was promoting him and managing him now, whichever one it may be, I'd be advising him to look at defending that that WBA title and and getting a few sort of lower rank contenders and just get a little bit more experience behind you. Yep. Like the the person that comes to mind for me in the UK is Ricky Hatton when he held that WBU title, the lightly regarded WBU title that he won, and then he had these fights with the likes of Vince Phillips and Ben Take and and all these names that were sort of in and around the top twenty within the division that give him the establishment and that level he needed to be at and 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 move towards and like Daniel, he's been sort of thrusted into this position by his promoter. Good old Fish Eyes has promoted him, put him into that position where now he's got a version of a WBA title and now people are going to want to look at him and go, actually, you know, he could be an easier picking to get my way back up to the top. And with some of that inexperience that he's shown in fights, that, like you said, is going to hinder him. And I think if you put him in at the top, top level now, he will have an exciting fight for three to four rounds with somebody, but if he goes toe-to-toe with certain fighters, 
I don't think he's going to be able to come back from that and recover. And he's going to feel very much like a Frank Bruno of his time. Like, good old yep. big Frank, bless him. You know, he could throw them punches. He could hurt people. He could knock people out. But as soon as he started getting buzzed, he went into panic mode, danger mode, and he, he couldn't recover. Now, obviously, Daniel's shown us a little bit of that against a cruiserweight who's moved to heavyweight. But when he comes up now against another legit heavyweight, like Adillian White, for example, as they're touting him to face, what is he going to do when he gets buzzed by Dillian White? If Dillian White can get to him, of course. But what if he does, what is he going to do? Is he going to be able to overcome that adversity? I, personally, if, if like I said, if I was managing him, what I'd want to do with him is fight a few guys around the top 10 to 15 first. Maybe three to four of the fights. He's still young. People are forgetting that. He is still Very a young. young guy. He's, what is he, 23? Is, I think something like 23 yep. now. So... He could go for another two years, have another four to five fights in that time against top-ranked contenders, and then move forward. Then when you've had all that experience against other guys, then go for it. What it feels like at the moment is like they're trying to cash in on him a little bit too soon. As the promoter, they're trying to cash on him. They think, right, he's an exciting fighter. We can get bums on seats because we know we're going to have a, a live action fight against anyone he goes in against. They put him in with the wrong fighter. They put him in with a guy at that top level, like Adillian White, and he's going to get found out again. And that's what's going to happen. He's not going to be ready for that fight. And that's where I feel he's at. I don't think he's ready for that. I think he needs another few fights first, defending that title, and then go for them bigger fights. Maybe it'll be a better time because Dillian White looks like he's sort of moving down the pecking order and I don't want to say he's on the slide but he's not looking as good as he once did so maybe in another year or so that might be a perfect fight and a perfect name on his record but not now not now no I'm with you I think maybe in a in a year or so maybe two years sorry a bit longer than a year I, I think Daniel Dubois is on level with FA Jagbar he's on level with Fabio Wardley I think that's his level he's better than a goalman and we see with Ward Lee the other night, got, got rid of Gorman. That would be a challenge. That would be a very hard fight for Daniel to get through. But it's an even matchup, I believe. Fabio Wardley, Daniel Dubois, and then also FA Jagbar, you know, FA lost recently. I mean, even Jermaine Franklin. I mean, these, they're tough guys in terms of what they bring. It's, it's difficult because he holds a title and people are going to want to take that title from him, exactly like you said. And, and that is probably going to, move him along quicker than he needs to. I think he needs more time. But look, I mean, there's enough for Daniel. I, I think we've we've made our point that he's nowhere near fighting those top-level contenders as just yet because he gets found out. So at the minute, it's just a matter of managing correctly. Um, I mean, he's got a great guy in his corner. He's just got a bit of a shit promoter. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we know our thoughts and feelings on, on certain promoters, of course, as always. And we'll move on because there are a couple of other fights that stand out from the past weekend. And admittedly, there was one that didn't even get covered in the big fight preview. And I feel absolutely disgusted with myself that I didn't cover it. Troy Williamson and Josh Kelly on the Friday, and we didn't even cover it at all on the preview because we were so sort of wrapped up in what was going on with the with the more larger scale fights that it just completely slipped my mind to even talk about it. So I want to react to it because I honestly thought Troy Williamson would do a number on Josh Kelly, but Josh Kelly actually excelled himself on Friday and shown all that potential that... 
he'd been touted for for so long before he got beaten by Avenintian. And for me, it was like, wow, you know, this is the Josh Kelly I remember. This is the Josh Kelly that everybody thought was going to be a world champion within no time. And he displayed that dominance against Troy Williamson, who battled his way through it, but just was not good enough. And after the fight, openly admitted, look, I was beaten by the better man, a much better man on the night. Josh Kelly was the much better man on the night. He didn't look that great at the weigh-in to be honest, and I, that's why I kind of thought maybe this will be a late stoppage for Troy Williamson, because I thought maybe Troy will, will kind of break his heart a little bit, maybe like Avenincian did, but what Josh shown us is that that display of brilliant dominance is still there, and maybe that refocus is there with him. He captures the British title in the process in the Super Welterweight division, now puts himself back on the map for bigger fights domestically, and I've just got to say I'm, I'm happy for him, I'm happy that he's shown and proved a lot of people wrong, including myself, and I want to see where he can take it from here. He needs to build upon that. He really needs to build upon that now. So that was one of my standout performances from the weekend was Josh Kelly and Troy Williamson. Again, coming to you, what did you make of his performance? Was you impressed? Was you happy? Where does he go from here? Yeah, I, I feel like um, I was the same as you. I thought Williamson eventually would get through to him. I, I even felt Josh Kelly was going to win those first six rounds quite comfortably as he did. And, and I still felt that Troy was going to come on strong and put him under pressure, <coughs> excuse me, put him under pressure and effectively wear him down to the point where he stopped him. Didn't happen. Um, Williamson was poor though, I must say. He, he, I didn't, he just, he needed to, he, he kept closing the gap way too quickly. He was jumping on him and then holding him and I feel like he needed to give himself a bit more room to let his hands go. To, to Josh's credit, he hurt him a few times and even later on in the fight, I think it was around the eighth round, he hit him with a lovely uppercut and the right hand, and he, he hurt him. And Williamson was buzzed from it, and he, he was unable to sustain any real momentum. And that was because of Josh Kelly, to be fair. So he made him look bad, but Williamson, had the, he had the wrong game plan. He didn't do the things that we expected him to have done to win this fight. And and credit to Josh, he's won the fight. I still believe that there is an engine that is a problem. I feel that if someone puts enough pressure on him, that's when you find out whether he can get through that. Every at the end of the day, it was a very, he's a world-class fighter. I mean, he's fighting Crawford soon. He is a top-level fighter. He's not a European fighter. He's not, he's better than that. And I think it exposed Josh clearly. So anyone with that potential that can put that pressure on him, I think he, he becomes a cropper. And I still think there's a lot of guys out there, you know, world level, you just think, you know, Fandora, Charlo, they're just going to be a, a right hand. Too much for him now. They're talking about domestic fights, I mean, the domestic fight we, we were calling for not so long ago was Josh Kelly and, and Connor Ben. I believe it was about six months ago we were saying how high ranked Connor Brett Ben is compared to where Josh Kelly is. And within the space of six months, they've flipped reversals again and Connor Ben's this. on the scrap heap. It's just boxing. It's beautiful sometimes. And look, there's, I'm not disc- if, there, if, if Josh Kelly was a, a six-round fighter, he would be a world champion. I just want to see that second half. If he can maintain that, what he did against Williamson, and he can turn that into 12 rounds, he has potential to be a world champion. I just don't believe he will be. And I think he's a cocky, arrogant little prick, to be honest with you. And I don't like him, but (laughs) that's a different story. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, this is what we've missed on the show, guys. This is exactly what we've missed. Johnston <laughs> absolutely going off on one about certain individuals or certain. I don't attitudes. like him. Well, He's an arrogant twat. Though. He is. You, can, you can't like everybody. That's the thing. You can't like everybody. No, that's, that's how you, But yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you've said the same thing though about Prince Nazim Hamid, didn't you? When we did the career profile, yeah. great fighter, yeah. just a cocky, arrogant prick, and that's that was your opinion. <laughs> so that's your opinion on Josh. Fair play to you. Well. We're going to cover one more fight, one more major fight before we do any roundups on this show. And that was Juan Francisco Estrada, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, their third outing. Majority decision for Estrada. Again, arguments in the camp, arguments between fans on social media. Was it a deserved victory for Estrada or did Gonzalez win Johnston? What are your thoughts on that absolutely brilliant fight from the weekend? it's so frustrating with Chocolito because when you look at the record books, you're going to see 2-1 Estrada. People, without even looking further into it, are going to think Estrada was the better fighter. He isn't. He isn't. Chocolito is the legend. I'm, I'm not knocking. Estrada's a top top fighter. They had a great trilogy. First, first fight and second fight, excellent fights. Third fight was still a very good fight. It just wasn't as good as the first two. So people sort of discredit it a little bit. For me, Chocolito was behind in the first four rounds. Many have threw a blanket over that and gave him all four. I think first time I watched it, I gave Estrada the first four rounds and then from six, Gonzalez won all the way up to 11. And then the 12th round was Estrada. For me, it was a draw first time I watched it. Watched it the second time, I actually feel that you could even give Chocolito the victory. With those first four rounds in particular, I feel that maybe he could have made that 2-2. It's a very tight call. I think I think the biggest question is, Sean, is when you're judging fights, are you judging fights on the activity of a fighter or are you judging it on the quality of the shots that are coming back? Is quantity better than quantity? And I, I feel that when you look at Chocolito, he throws a lot of quantity, a lot of quality shots. Oh, excuse me. For, so a lot of quality shot came from Gonzalez, whereas the quantity came from Estrada, which I believe some hit his arms and his body, and 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 Chocolito was able to to nullify those shots. Whereas. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On a commentary, they make it out to sound like he was landing more than he did. 
And I think that's where it gets a bit twisted. I'll tell you one thing for, for anyone listening. Watch the first, watch all three of those fights and turn all the sand off and judge them. And, and let us know, because I'll tell you what, those three fights for me, I think there's a strong case that Chocolita won all three. I would say the set, the third is a draw, but Chocolita definitely won the first two. Um, so I think it just put it tarnished. I, for those that don't understand the sport, it tarnishes his record. For those that do, will understand that Chocolito got the better of Estrada, and it's disappointing that he he's been sort of done again. Really, is that the end of their rivalry? Because I really don't think it is. I think this rivalry carries on very much like uh, Vasquez versus Marquez, one of the legendary nights that we did. They had four four fights. Three of them were epic. One of them, yeah, not so epic. Is there going to be a four fight between these two? Because I, I very much feel like there's definitely going to be another one coming again close decisions again that's the problem very yeah. close it's, it is what you like in that fight what did you like did you like the quality or did you like the quantity and the volume of the punches that were thrown in that fight it's hard because as a fan you know you're kind of looking at it in a way where it's like well I like it like this I prefer my action like this but in reality if you're a judge and you're scoring it you're scoring it off a of certain parameters you've got to score it by maybe the amount of punches that are thrown, the amount of punches that are landed, or whether it's the quality, the scoring shots like they do in the amateur game, has it got to be clean shots that are landing? Which, And that, that's what we don't know. That's the part of it we don't know because we don't judge and we're not trained to judge. So we're kind of basing it upon what we see and how we think a fighter uh, has gone through the motions of a fight and whether we've seen someone who's put so much pressure on that he's done more than enough or whether it's the eye-catching shots from the other fighter in the opposite end of the ring that's actually more what you would say actually should win a fighter a fight and that's the problem it's so so subjective it's so difficult to sit here and say one fighter should have done it this way one fighter should have done it that way or this fighter won because of this we could sit here and argue about this and people will have very many different opinions on on what that could be but for me it's a case of the referee uh, and the judges, sorry, have made their decision in this. And for me, it leads to a potential for fight in the matter between the two. What a great fight it was, though. A great fight for us to see. I really thoroughly enjoyed the fight itself. And yeah, it was very close. And again, it's hard because you could easily have gone either way on the fight. Ah. What do I like more than anything? I like a fighter who, who takes it to another fighter, who throws a lot more shots than another fighter and yeah okay like you look at Estrada wasn't landing everything clean but it was just the aggressiveness the educated pressure everything like that that kind of appeals to me however I can't argue with Chocolatito's quality and I think he'll be a little bit disappointed probably more than a little bit disappointed that he didn't put enough pressure on throughout the course of the fight because I think if he did with that quality that shone through in the fight I think he might have gone his way and that's what's subjective about it and that's what's difficult but is this rivalry at an end or do you think there's a four fight on the horizon I would love to see it personally I would I would like to see it where um maybe it's on a completely different organization maybe it's in a different country I just feel that Estrada's always going to get the favor I, I can't help it I, I honestly believe that Estrada's always going to get the nod over him for some reason maybe because he's a few years younger and there's there's more fights for Estrada in the future I just feel that sometimes it, I get this 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 third fight was a lot closer and I can understand how Estrada could have won this body odd round and you're right Gonzalez should have put a little bit more pressure on in those first four rounds and not allow people to just throw the blanket over it and say, you know what, Estrada won that fight comfortably in the first four rounds and in therefore he's won the fight. 
I, 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 I disagree, but look, look, that's just me. Um, and I'm a massive fan of his. So obviously I'm going to be a bit more biased. Maybe that's the fault that maybe that's my fault. And maybe that's why I edged some rounds towards him because of the quality he did. But either way, a full fight, I think we've got to see the, um, is it Ioka and Franco fight? Uh, they're fighting for two titles, the WBA and WBO titles on the 12th, um, no, 31st, sorry. Uh, they like the New Year's Eve ones, didn't they? So that's on the New Year's Eve. Um, whoever wins that fight, probably Estrada fights. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those beat Estrada. I'll be honest with you. Because I, I, there, there has been moments of Estrada where he's faded a little bit and it, it hasn't looked... I think it's probably the best he's looked in a little while, to be fair to him. And then from that, I feel that Chuck and Tito, if he buys his time, waits to see the outcome of that fight, probably even buys his time a bit longer, or even gets a Rangvisai fight. Rangvisai's on the drop. Maybe he could get something on with, with him, and then see what's happened after that. Who's got those titles? Who's the potential undisputed? And then go for one of those, because he's a big enough name to do that. And then if, if Estrada does have all four belts, I think then maybe we may see the fourth. I hope, in a way, I hope we do, and I hope Chuck Alito can put his foot on the gas a little bit sooner. The trouble is, he's on a dipshell, isn't he? I, know, I just feel that I don't want him to be that fighter because he's, he's getting older and he's, he's, he always comes back. Don't get me wrong. He's changed his style as well, which all the great fighters do. Very aggressive and fast when he was younger and now he's adjusted his style. Ali did it. You know, these guys have just got that about him and that's why I think for an all-time great, he will be a career profile for us on our show at some point. I don't want his end of his career to be tarnished maybe walk away from the game and just barge your time and hopefully get an undisputed if possible so let's just round up then the rest of the fights from all the different cards across the weekend so on the same card we had julio says martinez getting a majority decision over samuel carmona wbc will flyweight title was on the line in that fight jose lito velasquez lost to christopher rosales which was uh in some ways, a little bit of a surprise to some people, but not for others. Some people felt like Rosales would actually, with all his experience, would beat Velazquez, and he did. Diego Pacheo looking really good in the super middleweight division. Another TKO victory in round number two. Amo Williams, Austin Williams, got another victory via UD. Moves to 13-0, setting up that potential fight with Felix Cash next year. And Mark Castro also on the card, a name that we know very well, who got a UD on that particular card as as well on the undercard of Tyson Fury Derek Chisora we had Ivan Mende famously beat Luke Campbell a few years back he was on the card after a good streak of fights but he lost via unanimous decision to Dennis Berinchik on there Isaac Lowe was back in action as well he's picking up points victories he's trying to put his name back in the mix but just don't I think he's good enough and I think we've kind of had that opinion for quite some time about old Isaac Lowe but he's trying Hosea Burton in the light heavyweight division against Daryl Sharp he picked up a victory there and Royston at Barney Smith picked up another TKO in the first round on that particular card Lyndon Arthur got a victory over Joe McIntyre on the Friday night. Looks like a potential Callum Smith fight in March of next year is being proposed for Lyndon Arthur in the light heavyweight division. So, you know, there were quite a few significant results over the weekend that are going to lead into some potential good fights in 2023. Certainly will make our boxing wishlist episode in 2023. I'm certain we'll be talking about each division and certain fights that hopefully will happen and come to pass in 2023. 
But I think for me, that is about it for this particular weekend with all the fights and all the action we've wanted to talk about. We are going to be back a little bit later on in the week with a preview for this coming weekend. Three big fights in my eyes this weekend. Maybe not so much the Josh Warrington fight, but Josh Warrington is back in action at the first direct arena. Tiafimo versus Sandor Martin. David Avenincian challenges Terence Crawford. There's some great fights happening and we will be back for that in a little short short while but before you leave this episode please make sure you followed us on social media at btl boxing pod on twitter on facebook on instagram on youtube you can drop comments below on the youtube channel if you've got any thoughts feelings and opinions about any of the conversations or any future potentials that we've talked about in this episode and if you are not already a patron of this podcast please go and check us out at patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast you could be entitled to get access to episodes that have not been released anywhere else we do patron only episodes we do a patron only exclusive series we do ad free versions of the episode if you don't want to listen to the ads at the beginning the middle or the end of these episodes we also do exclusives on there we do different types of content and if you want to support us you can do so from as little as one pound fifty it would be very much appreciated if anybody in a very good position can do it but we appreciate people that are struggling at the moment it is hard times so it's not a huge push it is just a plug if you guys are in a position to support us please do it really does help us outsource some of the stuff that we need to do for our series going forward that's it for this episode then thank you so much for listening to the big fight reaction show and we'll see you next time Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.